This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Uh, if you have been with us any time throughout this year, especially back in the beginning of the year in January, uh, I kicked off and, and mentioned a theme that we would have throughout the year of 2019. And I mentioned that it would be to know Him. If you don't know our core values, one of our core values is that we would know Him, that we would know Him, walk with Him, share Him, and that we would be a united uh, family. And so we, we kicked that off at the beginning of the year, and everything that we have done, we've tried to be intentional and in, in, in pushing and in, in pressing that people, that we as a church, that individuals, uh, would grow closer to knowing Christ. And so we've done a couple things. One of those has been... Uh, we kicked off a brand new class that we have done that's called a, a Know Him class. It's a four-week class that we're looking at four spiritual habits um, that we are, are praying that people would add into their life and make a part of their life. And those would be prayer and Bible reading and um, being a part of church services and giving and how, how God uses those things to really uh, develop us in our Christian lives. And so we've done that. We've tweaked our new members class. We've uh, changed some things with our children's curriculum on Sunday mornings that has been, um, I feel that we've always had a great children's ministry and, and great programs, but our teaching, uh, I felt we could have done a little bit more uh, than just having fun in those groups, but also develop more teaching and doctrine and, and core beliefs. And so we have been doing some of those things, have tweaked some things as well. All of our um, our Sunday morning sermons, the, the Sunday morning series, have been geared that we would know God in a more intimate manner. And so we've looked at uh, what truth is. We did that a couple months back, and we looked at uh, the I Am series that we just finished up, seven statements that, that are in the book of John, of, that Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and so on. And, and this morning we start... Uh, a new study. I don't know that I can call a series a series if we're going to be here for a really, really long time. So we are starting a new study. We're going to be in Galatians, the book of Galatians. We're going to go verse by verse. Um, I have no timetable for this. I'm not in a hurry to get through it. So we might get through one verse. We might get through 10 verses. We'll see where it goes on a, any given Sunday. But we're going to start in this book this morning uh, in a verse by verse uh, study in the book of Galatians, and we're going to learn uh, how we can live a set-free life through the Word of God. I would ask this question, and you might ask this question, I would say is, why would we choose the book of Galatians, and how will this help you? It wasn't long ago I just shared that we did a series on truth, and Mike is actually teaching a series uh, at the 9.30 hour on truth. And one of, the, one of the quotes that is mentioned often is what? The truth will set you free. My question to you would be, what is freedom? What is freedom? What does that look like? If we, we would state that, we would quote that, but so often, that's not how we live our lives. We don't fully live a life of complete freedom. So what does it look like to be free? The desire of this series for me and, and my heart is that, uh, one, we would, we would develop and discover some of the depths and the doctrines of what salvation is and all of that. But one of the things that I feel that we as Christians, we know what the gospel is in the sense that we know this. Jesus came. Died, rose again for our sins. That is all true. 
but do we truly know the gospel? Do we live it? Has it impacted our life? Is it changing us? Is it who we are? So often we can quote, oh yeah, the Romans road, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can quote so many of these things, but do we truly know the gospel? And as we study the book of Galatians, I believe this book will share with us and that we can walk out of this, not today, but through the course of this studies, knowing the gospel. One of the other things that is a, a prevalent uh, topic throughout the book of Galatians is what I stated just a moment ago, that we would have freedom, that we would grasp the freedom that we have in Christ, that we are not to just live with Christ plus other things in our lives. We are not to uh, just add Him in. It's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus plus this religious tradition. It is just Jesus. But here's the thing. I think all of us would say, yes, it's only Jesus and only Jesus that we need. But we say that, but we act this way. John chapter 8, verse 36 says this, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. But I go back to the question I asked you just a moment ago. What is freedom? What is freedom? We would all say that we live in a free country, right? We have and we do have freedom in the United States of America. But we are not in complete freedom in the United States of America because you have boundaries we live inside of a boundary which most of us would say that is comforting because I can live inside of this this little these boundaries we have limits we have boundaries it's our comfort we are governed by rules and boundaries which we find rest and comfort and typically We don't live in complete freedom, but within expanded limitations. We are free to act within reason. You are free to choose from these three or four options, right? Where do you want to go to lunch? (laughs) Well, let me, here, let me, these three things, which one of those do you want? Well, that's not complete freedom. How free is free indeed? Think about this. Freed from sin? I would say all of us, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you would say, man, I am, I am free from living in the, the bondage of sin. But are we freed from sin so that we would uh, freed from that bondage while now we have to obey these religious standards? Are we free from penalties as long as we do what He wants us to do moving forward? How free is free indeed? What does freedom look like in our Christian lives? Galatians, we're going to take a really long look at how you and I can live in the freedom that God has desired and designed for you and I. See, think freedom is a couple things. One of them is this, we have this. Inside of the church world, or really outside the church world, we have to do these things. 
So I have to wear this thing, I have to say this thing, I have to act this way, I have to do all of these things. But if I step out of that, then I'm in, I'm in trouble of really falling in the deep end and going deep into sin. But over here we have this, oh, you do whatever you want. There's no God. You are God. You can do anything that you choose. You have the freedom to do anything. God is over here in the middle going, both you are wacko. God simply is in the middle. He's not jumping through the religious hoops. But he's not over here saying, oh, yeah, do anything that you want. Because why? He's not, he, he is God. And he's in the middle and he's saying, I, I, I'm providing you a liberated life. And during this book and during this study, I believe that we're going to see what that liberated life is. We're going to be able to experience what that freedom is. The book of Galatians says this, that we are to walk in the Spirit, that we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean? How can I walk in the Spirit as to not obey the lusts of the flesh? I don't know if you are like me, but so many times, here's what I want. We look at a passage like that, and we want what? Give me the one, two, three step process so that I know how to walk in the Spirit and I'll never have to face all these things, right? <laughs> Except nowhere in God's Word does He say, just here's the three steps. We want to package it in a little box. I want to buy a good get-rich-quick book so that I can live in the Spirit only and never have to deal with these things. That's not God. But as we understand what freedom is in Christ, I believe that we can understand how do I live in the Spirit? How do I experience that? How do I live that way? I'm going to give you this, and I, I heard this, and I thought it made absolute perfect sense, and I want to use it today. It says this. There are many who are in the prison system, and they have become institutionalized. Think about this for just a minute. Many who are in the prison system that have become institutionalized. Literally, they have been in the system so long that has become their comfort. That is their comfort. They know when they're going to eat. They know when they're going to go and enjoy their free time. They know when they're going to do this, when they're going to do that. Everything is done for them. They don't have to think about anything. Then all of a sudden, somebody comes to them and it's their day of what? Freedom. Hey, we are going to set you free. We are going to get out of here. I've been here for 20 years, I've been here for 15, 25, 30, 40, whatever it is, but now is your day that you can walk outside of that wall and you can be free. You know what many of them do? They walk outside of that wall, they go back, or they live outside of the walls because they don't know how to live. They don't know what freedom is. They are set free, but they don't have any freedom. Because for the last 20 years or whatever it is of their life, they've had somebody tell them what to do. Here's the walls that you're allowed to walk in. Here's when you do this. Here's what you do this. And now all of a sudden, I, uh, what do I do with all of this? Christianity, I believe, is very similar in that same way. We lived in this bubble. We lived in this world of sin and of sin and of self and of self and of, of all of these things. And then all of a sudden, we accept Jesus Christ and all of a sudden... I, I experience, I sense that all of that is gone, but now I'm going, but what do I do? And the church hasn't made it much better. 
Because we've said, hey, man, that's so awesome. Now let's dunk you in a tank. Let's get you back up. Hey, why don't you start giving a little bit of money? Hey, why don't you make sure that you are singing in the choir? Why don't you make sure that you're going to help as an usher? Why don't you make sure you do all of these things? But we don't share with you why we do those things. And so what do we do? I've added all of those things as to why I'm a Christian. And if I stop doing this, then God's not going to love me. If I stop this, then I can't do this. That's nowhere in Scripture. God's Word says that when we come to that, we are set free. I don't need any of those other things, but that's how we live. I live like this. If this week I do enough good things, God's going to give us more people at church on Sunday. If I, if, I, if I do enough things, then my, my marriage will be okay. God's going to bless my marriage. If I don't do these things, then surely I'm going to get a pay raise at work because God's going to bless me in that way. And then when that doesn't happen, we go, but God, why? Why am I not experiencing that? Why did I not get the raise? What's going on inside of my home? What are all of these things that are taking place? And nowhere in Scripture, nowhere do we find that if we act this way, that God will love us or give us more. God told Paul, Jesus told Paul, hey, you do this and you be planning. In Acts chapter 9, it's going to be a long road. Lots of tribulations, lots of trial. Wait, Paul was one of the greatest people to ever walk. Why would he experience those bad things? Because God doesn't love you more because you do all of those things. Listen, because you didn't sin this week and you didn't do anything bad this week, you didn't cuss anybody out, you didn't look at anything bad, you didn't do all of those things, God wasn't like, oh, you know what, this week I love you more, so therefore I'm going to give you all these things. No! God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on your behalf so that you could be in relationship with him. And as we look at this passage of scripture, this passage, as we look at this, this book, this letter that was written, God desires that we would live in freedom. It's not Jesus plus all of this. It's Jesus. And in Him, we can have freedom. In Him, we can, we can grow. We can, we, can, we can see all of what God is doing. And it, you know what's freeing to me? And as I've studied just the little... I've, I've been reading this book for now several months, knowing that I was going here. And so I would just read it and read it and read it and read it through my personal time and other times. And I just the conviction of how many times in my life I have thought, wow, if I do these things, then God will do this for me. And that's not how God works. And so we come to this passage, we come to this text. In Christ, we are set free. And in Christ, we can see God do amazing things. And today I have one goal, one goal, is to simply introduce the book of Galatians. 
I am going to basically kind of teach this. This is going to be a classroom setting, if that's all right with you. We're going to kind of get through verses 1 through 5, but not really get through any of it. So we're going to do a two-part introduction. I'm going to speak on the broad picture of Galatians, when it was written, who wrote it, why was it written, all of the the nitty-gritty things. Some of you might go, well, that's really silly and boring. No, but if we don't understand why, and we don't understand the context, then everything else that we do, it, it can help, but it really begins to make sense of why it was done. How it was done. Have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody kind of walked into a conversation and you were like, man, that dude just said, I can't believe he just said that or acted that way. Anybody? And then you step back later and you, were, you went to your friend and you're like, how did you, he just said, and they're like, no, 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 no. Throughout the whole conversation, that was right in the midst of it. That made sense. That's kind of one of these things. If we don't know all of what's leading up to it, it doesn't fully make sense. So Galatians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to go there. And uh, I, let me say this as we get started. Um, we will be here for quite a while. Uh, Dan made mention on Facebook or somewhere that this is through the summer. I will promise you we'll be in Galatians longer than this summer. Um, because if you've been with me as I've taught through any of the other books that we've done, yeah, we've got a while. So I want to do this, I want to encourage you, read through this at home on your own with us. So you might say, well, I'm going to read, what am I supposed to just read the first five verses? No, read through the chapter once or twice every week until we finish chapter one. Well, that's boring. It's the same words. Listen, God's word is alive, and I promise you, if you ask God to speak to you, you can read the same chapter every day for the rest of your life, and he'll give you something out of it. So let me encourage you, this week, go home. There are 24 verses in the first chapter of Galatians. and Begin to read through it. There's six chapters, right? <laughs> Isn't that horrible? There's six chapters... I second-guessed myself. There's six chapters in the book of Galatians. They're all about the same, 20, 24, 25 verses. They're not long. Read through that. Get to know this book. Write down questions. I don't care. Ask me questions. Give it to me on a piece of paper. Shoot me an email. But let me challenge you. As we go through this book, book, don't just come on Sunday morning and think that that's great. We want you here on Sunday morning, and it is great, but do some of this on your own. Read on your own. Ask questions on your own. Begin to challenge yourself in that regard. And so, uh, Galatians chapter 1, I think I gave you enough time. Verse number 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we give you this day 
these next few moments as we dive into this book. And Lord, I pray that you would use the Word of God, this particular letter that Paul wrote, Lord, to challenge our hearts so many years later. God, we are thankful for who you are and for how you move and how you are moving in the midst of of the people here. God, be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't have three points this morning. Some of you might go, whoa, I've never been to a church without three points or some type of analogy or whatever. So we're not, we're not doing points. I'm going to put some stuff up on the screen there. Much of it will be just passages of Scripture. But Galatians was written in A.D. 49. Uh, some will say it's 48, 47, but we know that it's in that ballpark between 48, 49 uh, that would be about 15 to 17 years, give or take, depending on, on all of the dates that people have after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. This would have been one of Paul's very first letters that he wrote. And so if you know uh, much about Paul and his writings, Paul wrote uh, a good portion of the New Testament. Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty, as it is written to show the freedom that comes in Christ. It was the book of Galatians, some of you might understand this and know this, but it was the book of Galatians that sparked uh, Martin Luther's 95 Theses in October 31 of 1517. Uh, If you you don't know much about that, Martin Luther uh, wrote down 95 Theses and and he he nailed them to the door in, in Wittenberg, which started the Protestant Revolution. Historically, this is the act that really causes us to not be a part of the Catholic Church. And so because uh, in, in Martin Luther's study, in the book of Galatians, he realized that he didn't have to go to a man to pray, that he didn't have to go through them for the, all of those things, as opposed he had his own freedom, he could know Christ. He began to write all of those things down, writes them or posts them on the door. Um, and so it was this book. Galatians is a little bit different than all of Paul's writings. If we were to go just through the few verses that we just read, the very first verse of this says that he's an apostle, not of men. The second verse, all the brethren which are with me unto the church of Galatia. Verse number three is a verse that is almost in all of Paul's writings. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father. Almost every writing, every letter that you go through, you begin to look at that. It's going to be right in the first few verses that Paul's going to say that. But what we don't see is this. If you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and these will be on the screen, a few of these, in verses 15 and 16, it says this. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That's in Ephesians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, and I'm not going through all of his letters, but in Philippians chapter 1, In verse 31, it says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Let me ask you a question. In Galatians chapter 1, what was not in that passage of Scripture? Prayer. Nowhere in this book did Paul write and say, I thank God for you, and I'm praying for you. Now you might, that's rude, that's nasty. Why would he do that for everybody else? He's so thankful for them, but not for for the churches of Galatia. 
Well, that's a big part of what this book is. We don't see that he is giving thanks and he's praying for each one of these. This is not just a, a letter of, of, of love. All of his was. He, he loved all of his churches that he had started and that he had done. But there wasn't that. Because Paul was a little bit frustrated and a little bit upset. Paul was not happy with the churches of Galatia. And so when Paul writes this letter, Paul wasn't writing this letter saying, hey, uh, as, mo- as with almost every letter that Paul wrote, there was always a couple things. One of them, it was typically the church's issues were uh, how they were acting. They were not acting in a manner that was worthy of God. They were doing things that they knew they ought not do. See, Galatia wasn't the issue. That, the churches of Galatia, the issue wasn't that they weren't acting right. The issue was the doctrine, the gospel message, the core foundation, the, everything that all of this is, is hinged upon was being completely ripped apart. Paul was frustrated. Paul was angry. I don't know how many of you have really good, sensitive, loving conversations when you're really angry. Anybody? Children, I love you. Would you please stop? No, we're more firm. When something that is that vital gets to us and begins to stir in us, typically our conversation is a little bit different. And so Paul is here. Romans and Galatians are often linked together. If you go through the book of Romans, there's a couple things that are really, really different. One of them, Romans is long. Galatians is not. In the book of Romans, Paul was addressing things. He was doing all of these same things, but he had a lot of order. It was more peaceful. It was more logical. Galatians had not as, did not have all of the order. It wasn't as peaceful. It was short. It had fire. It had passion. Why? Because Paul was hurt. He was frustrated. He was angry. Why? The gospel was being broken and taught not according to the word of God. It wasn't a true gospel that was being presented. And so Paul is frustrated. So we see that the book of Galatians was written in A.D. 49. We know in verse number one, Paul was the author. So the author was Paul. And Paul is writing this book. It says right away in verse number one, Paul, an apostle. What does it say right after that? Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Why would Paul have to tell these people who he was? He's establishing authority because the people were destroying him. They were destroying the message and the messenger. And so Paul, in the, really the first two chapters of the book of Galatians, is Paul saying, this is who I am. This is why I have authority. It's not because of me. It is because of God. And so he is defending himself. So what is an apostle? What is an apostle? 
She'll be on the screen. But one who is sent with a commission, an ambassador, a messenger, chosen and trained by Jesus Christ as his special emissary for proclaiming his truth during formative years of the church. In its primary technical usage, the term applies to the original twelve who were chosen at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. We can see that in in the Gospels, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 6. They were set aside to lay the foundation of the early church and to be the channels of God's completed revelation. We see that in Acts chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. They were also given power to perform healings and cast out demons as verifying signs of their divine authority. We see that again through Acts chapter 2, 2 Corinthians, Hebrews. Jesus had many disciples, but of those he called twelve to be apostles in Mark chapter 3. Later, in Acts, there was an added requirement to have witnessed the resurrection. Paul thus had to defend his apostleship because he wasn't with Jesus. Paul was not a part of those twelve. However, Paul was set aside or called by God Himself. Acts chapter 9. If you have your Bible in Acts chapter 9, it's also on the screen. Acts chapter 9, we see this. Suddenly there shined round about Him a light from heaven, and He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto Him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou Me? And He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. If you skim down to verse number 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God called Paul. Paul was chosen of God and God only. Paul was chosen with specific background, giving him and equipping him To do what God had called him to do. I'm not getting into all of Paul's background, but Paul was raised by and taught by the greatest educational minds and theological minds of the time. Paul was an extremely intelligent man. Paul wasn't just extremely intelligent. Paul just wasn't taught the certain ways. Paul had the bloodline that he needed to have as well. And so Paul could go into a Jewish synagogue where others couldn't. Paul could go into places where others couldn't because of his bloodline. And so Paul was chosen specifically by God and used in a unique way by God. He was trained. He was educated. He was born all of these things. He was born under the law and under works. And then he was born into the grace of the gospel. So we understood the freedom of what that was. This letter speaks volumes of who Paul is as an individual. His love, his compassion, his desire for the gospel to be taught properly and grasped in a real manner. And we'll get into some of that in just a moment. But who was Paul writing to? Again, it was written in A.D. 49. It was written by Paul, and it was written on his first missionary journey. In Acts chapter 13, 14, and 15, you'll see Paul's missionary journey. And he was writing it to the churches of Galatia, which were in Asia Minor, which were Cyprus, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. 
He had ministered to this area, giving them the gospel, which was a, uh, really, I would say, in similar ways, we might look at it as a, as a Las Vegas, as a New York, as a Chicago, as a lot of these places that are melting pots of different people, so people groups would come. But here's where he was. He was in the middle, middle of this, and he was teaching to the Romans, to the Greeks, and to the Jewish cultures. Which meant there was also all of those different religions that were right in the same spot. So he was dealing with all of those things. And so as we look at this, Paul would often go into the synagogue and begin to teach. And then it wasn't long that they would try to kick him out. And so Paul would then go outside of the synagogue and he would teach to the Romans and the Greeks. And so most of the churches there were Gentiles more so than Jewish. During this time... In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 19, it says this, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having, what does it say? Stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So Paul is here. He's trying to start these churches. He's doing this work. He's got all the things that we hear about in our news today, the racism and the cultural wars and all of this. That's what he's facing. And he teaches the gospel and he's sharing the gospel. And many church, these churches were started. People had come to know Jesus. And then all of a sudden, now they're stoning him and they're kicking him out. They, they stoned him and they left him outside of the city to die. We know that Paul did not die. But here's why that is interesting to me. I just shared just a moment ago is who Paul was. Paul was a man of compassion. Paul was a man of love. Paul was a man of of great teaching, of great education. Paul was a lot of things. But where is Paul and what is Paul's heart in this letter? To the people that were just attempting to kill him, he writes back to them, not yelling at them for attempting to kill him, not upset with some of the things that I would be upset with. Anybody else? Revenge might be on the mind. Hey, you just tried to kill me. Ha ha, I'm alive. Story of David come to mind? <laughs> and he's like right behind Saul. <laughs> so here's Paul. But what does he do? He's frustrated. He's hurt. He's angered. Because they tried to kill him? No. Because the gospel message was being completely obliterated from the foundation. The teachings were wrong. Paul's heart was not that they would be hurt. It was not that anything would happen to them. Paul's heart was what? That they would know and understand the Word of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So we look at this, and we see some of this background of this, the context of what was going on. Paul was writing to these people, the same people that attempted to kill him. These same people that were now inside of the churches teaching this false religion. Which brings us to the purpose of Paul's letter. If we go to Galatians chapter 1, we, stick it, we stay there, we go down to verse number 6. And for the next few verses, we really begin to get a, a bit of the purpose behind a lot of the rest of this whole message here, or the, the rest of this book. It says in verse number 6, it says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I am stunned. I am hurt. I am shocked. 
I am completely flabbergasted that you have so quickly left this unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Some of you inside of these churches are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He says, listen, he's writing in this letter. If an angel comes down from heaven and preaches a gospel message that is not this gospel message, let him be accursed. That's some really, really fierce language. Let him die and be cast into hell is what he said. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And we come into this letter. Why was Paul writing this? Why was Paul so upset? Because the gospel that was presented was being twisted. Who was Paul refuting? Who was Paul speaking to, speaking against, if you will, defending himself for? Paul was refuting the Judaizers. The Judaizers were an extremist Jewish faction that settled into the early church, teaching that the Gentile Christians had to submit to Jewish law and Jewish traditions in addition to believing in Jesus Christ. So I come to know Jesus here, and the Judaizers were going to come in and say, but not only that, now you have to come over here and you have to do this tradition. And you have to come over here and you have to do this thing. And you have to come over here and you have to do this. Basically, you have to become a Jew plus believe in Jesus. False. Completely false. For you and I, it wouldn't be any different than some of the things that I stated earlier. So I come to know Jesus Christ but then I feel like I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, so God looks on me with favor. No. No. That's legalism. That's not following Jesus. That's following what we have said is acceptable. It's only acceptable if you wear a certain thing, if you do this thing, if you do this thing, if you do this thing. That's not God's word. And so we begin to look at this. That after Paul had left, the Judaizers had come in and they began to twist and add to salvation and add all of these things that you have, to, you have to believe in Jesus, but you have to do all of these other things or else you are not a believer. They were causing questions to be asked. Is salvation by grace or grace plus works? Do we have to become Jewish first before being a follower of Christ? As a Christian, are we commanded to keep the law or are we free to live in grace? So the letter to the Galatians 
isn't just attempting to encourage right living, but rather it is setting straight a false gospel that is being teached. That is being teached. You like that? That is being taught. I'm learning. I'm learning. That was for you, Miss Charlotte. Tammy Huggins isn't here. I would say it was her too. But anyway, today we must know the gospel. Why is this book so incredibly important? Because though I believe in our churches and in our circles, we would say we don't believe those things. We live those things. We would say, no, it is only Jesus. It's not about the works that we do. But we don't live that same thing. I know it. I'm teaching it. But many times in my own life, I'm, well, God, I love you. And I'm going to do this because I really need this done. We do it. I think we do it sometimes we don't even realize we do it. Paul was upset. Paul was short. Because after he, as he reached those people, they began to fall away. My prayer is that you and I will begin to see the importance of the freedom that we have. That we would know the gospel. That we would live set free. And today, I urge and I challenge you that you'd live a life that glorifies the Lord. This is not me saying you go do whatever you want, you just have Jesus in your heart. I'm pleading with you, live a life that would honor Christ. But don't do this so that this happens. Don't go to church so that God will be happy with you. Don't read your Bible so that God will love you more. Don't give so that God will be more gracious to you. Don't add this so that God will do this. We do these things because God is inside of us and changing us and our desire is to do those things. It's not this plus this. And as I close out this morning, I'm just going to read a couple things. The stakes are too high for you and I to not know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is under attack. We are beginning to see more and more daily, even in our own country, the attack that is on the gospel. We, you and I, those that would say, I am a believer of Jesus Christ, must understand that it is Christ and Christ alone. Some say Christ isn't enough and never believe. Some say He's enough, but when things get tough, they abandon. We must say it's all or nothing. I'm with Him. He is enough. 
a pastor friend of mine said this. At the end of the day, it's always a good idea to go with the one who rose from the dead. Today we looked at kind of a broad big picture of who Paul is, of why Paul wrote this letter, of when it was written, to whom it was written. And I would ask you this question this morning. In your mind and in your heart, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus all that you need? If so, and you are a believer, then I would ask you the next question. Are you living a life that He is all that you need? Are you living a life that is set free? Are you living a life that is, that is completely, God, I am surrendered to you. The last song we sung, Jesus is all that we need. Or are we in our lives knowing that Jesus is all that I need, but man, I, 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 I need to do this and I need to make sure that this is happening and this is happening and this is happening because I, I, I need Jesus to give me this and to be good. For, no, no. Maybe I would come back to this question. Is Jesus all that you need? Have you ever come to a place where you'd say in your life, God, here is everything. I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never laid it on the table to say, God, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've failed. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace and mercy. I need to say, here it is. Would you forgive me? Because I'm ready to turn and give all of that to you so that I could be free. Maybe some of you are here today and just need to say, God, I need you. I need salvation in you. For the others, (coughs) it is you saying, am I living a life set free by God? Or have I been set free, but I'm still adding all of these pieces to it? I am excited to dive into this book. I am looking forward to teaching it. And I'm looking forward to the outcome of seeing people know Him more and living a true, free life in Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.